This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 437. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 437. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, mamas. Happy Monday. This is week seven, week eight in COVID life. I'm losing track. I think that means this dream can be over now. And dream might be the wrong word. But anyways, yes, losing track over here. And we have definitely, it's getting harder as we go. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I have my coping mechanisms and my habits and my routines like really dialed in right now. And things are still hard and things are still heavy at times. And what I'm noticing increasingly and hearing from so many other mamas is that our children are noticing this more and struggling more. And what kind of seemed like, you know, an extended spring break at one point now is like feeling overwhelmingly solitary, (laughs) overwhelmingly lonely, overwhelmingly hard to be disconnected from teachers and classmates and to learn in a new format and to sit on Zoom for, you know, many hours of the day for many kids. And in many cases, it's just, it really, really weighs on our kids. And I think that it was easy for our kids to not show signs of the fatigue initially and not show signs of emotional distress. I think that they were showing, you know, more flexibility, adaptability, and resilience initially. And I think it's starting to catch up with them. And I know we're definitely seeing that at our house. And I've heard a lot of mamas in my various communities talking about that in the last couple of weeks. And so just sending lots of love to all of you who are maybe on a little bit of a, a downhill <laughs> descent right now and feeling like, you know, this it's funny because I think of this as a roller coaster where there's highs and there are lows, but it really, you know, in a roller coaster, like the highs, you get up high fast and then you drop down low fast. And this seems like it's a long, solid climb <laughs> to go up. And it also seems kind of like, I mean, sometimes things do come crashing down, but when we go down, it kind of seems like there's this like downward spiral. And for us, it seems to like it kind of lasts a few days and like we can feel it coming on, takes a while to dig out of it. So it doesn't seem quite of as quick and bouncy as a roller coaster. It's like long rolling hills. (laughs) And so for any of you who are kind of down in the valleys of the hills, just know that you're not alone and know that I'm sending you tons and tons of love. And just please don't ever, you know, hesitate at all to lean on this community 
as a place to ask for support and ask for love and share your experiences. And, you know, if you have specific advice that you want around things that are happening in your life right now, we always have our free Facebook group. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, where you can ask for the specific kind of support that you might need from other mamas right now. So always want to provide that as a resource for you. All right. So our conversation today, this is a big conversation. And I'll let you know that I spent a lot of time thinking about whether or not this was an episode I wanted to do. I'll also let you know that I had a totally different episode planned for today that would have been way more simple and easy and clean, not controversial at all. It would have been really safe and it would have been easy for me to record the safe episode. It would have been easy for me to just go ahead and do the thing I planned on doing because that's what was on the schedule. And I know it would have resonated with folks. Don't worry, it's still coming. It's coming next week instead. But that would have been the easy thing to do. And I also know that something I talk to you all about so much is really recognizing my own core values and standing in them and standing behind them and using my core values as a filter through which I run decisions. And so when I had this thought to record this episode, I used my filter and I looked at, okay, here's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking about, you know, recording this episode, having this conversation about something that I witnessed that made me extremely uncomfortable and very disappointed. And running that through my filter of, okay, so what do I really stand for? And who do I stand for? And based on that, is this a conversation I want to take publicly? And the answer was really clear when I ran it through that, knowing that I am someone who is going to show up as an ally, who's going to show up as an accomplice, who is going to show up when I see injustice happening, and who's going to stand up and speak out because that's what I believe leadership is. I believe that leadership is doing the hard thing. I believe that leadership is doing the uncomfortable thing. And I believe that leadership is showing other people how to do the hard and uncomfortable thing, because that's how we can make progress. And so I'm showing up and I'm doing the hard, uncomfortable thing. The easy, safe thing will come next Monday instead. I'm doing the hard and the uncomfortable thing because I want to model that kind of leadership to you because that's how I want you all to show up too. I don't want you to see an opportunity to get uncomfortable and to challenge yourself and to challenge other people's behavior or actions or words and decide, well, that might be too hard or that might take a lot of energy or someone might be upset or offended. No, I want you to walk right into those conversations and I want you to really open yourself up to those places and spaces where you can make a difference with the education you're going to share, with the value you're going to share, with the insight that you're going to share, and that you can make a difference with the way that you lead. And all of this, I also want to preface with saying that this is not about showing up perfectly. So I will right now say that there's, I'll probably do some imperfect things in this conversation. And especially if you are a woman of color listening to this, and I say something that is, feels disrespectful or dismissive or, you know, at all offensive, please let me know. It is really important to me that I continue to learn in this work. And I don't ever want you to like just tuck away something I say and hold on to it for later or, you know, think that you can't come to me with it. I really want to be open to feedback and I really do want to learn because I want to do better. And that's actually kind of at the crux of what we're going to talk about today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about an experience, something that I witnessed last week. And so, you know, when I talk about the experience, this was my experiencing witnessing something happening. So last week on social media, Rachel Hollis posted a quote, Um, apparently it was posted by someone on her team, but posted in her social media feed on Instagram, a quote that was a Maya Angelou quote that said, still dot, 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 I rise. And she posted the quote, but did not attribute it to anyone. And that was Maya Angelou's quote. And it was also in reference, the, what it was in reference to was about black people rising, black people having to fight and work and do really, really overwhelmingly hard things to earn a place in the world when they had been so dehumanized. And so she uses this quote, she doesn't attribute it to Maya Angelou. And if I did not see the original post, this is just my understanding of the situation. And what I've read, I've read about it online in multiple places. So she uses the quote, she doesn't attribute it. So apparently, People, you know, immediately were really offended and called her out and said, hey, that's actually a Maya Angelou quote. And here's what it's in reference to. And this is really inappropriate that you would post this as a white woman. And first of all, not cite who originally said it and also not offer the context in which it was said, because it's really different for a white woman of means to use this quote in quarantine than it is in the context that it was originally intended. And so 
she pulled the quote down, the, pulled the post down, and she posted her an apology. I'm actually going to share a couple different of apologies today. So this is what the apology said. And this is on Instagram. It's public knowledge. This isn't like, I don't know. This isn't me trying to out anything or anyone. This is just me wanting to have a conversation around something that I think can be a really valuable learning experience. So she said, this morning, I found out that my social team posted a graphic on my Instagram yesterday that said, still I rise. That is obviously an immortal line from a Maya Angelou poem. Only no credit was given to her. I immediately deleted the post, but I want to make sure I'm publicly apologize. While I didn't create or post the graphic, I am the leader of the team that did, and so I accept full responsibility for their actions. I can't imagine how deeply hurtful it is to the African-American community to see the words of your heroes used without credit. This has happened to you far too often, and I hate that anything produced by my company added to your pain. I heard once that the only real apology was one where you don't make an excuse, so I won't. I am deeply sorry. I understand that this post without credit is not a little thing to you. This is death by a thousand cuts. This is the millionth type of incident like this you've experienced. This is not okay. I apologize sincerely. We will do better. So that was the apology. And here's what I want to say is I think that Rachel had really great intentions with that apology. But some of you might have already clued into some areas in that apology where she, while definitely... I think feeling genuinely sorry and having genuine regret could have done better in that apology because she said she didn't want to make excuses, yet she threw her team under the bus in the very first sentence of her apology. So that kind of discredits, in my mind, the whole rest of the apology. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Here's the other thing. Like I said, I don't think that we need to be perfect. I don't think that we that leaders should be expected to be infallible. But I do think that we should be able to be in conversation when we are given opportunities to do better. So what happened after this apology was posted was that many, many women were very upset about it, that she threw her team under the bus, that it felt like a lot of lip service, there wasn't really a commitment to actual steps to do better, that there was a pattern of behavior around plagiarism and taking other people's work and not giving them credit. And what was interesting to me, and this is where I think we need to really learn, is that there was this gaping divide between the responses from white women and black women. And I can tell you, I have been in a situation where I have made a poor judgment or a misstep when it's come to race. And I've made mistakes and I've said the wrong thing for sure. And when I've been called out on it, I see the exact same divide in my comments. And here's what happens. All of the white women say, 
thank you so much for showing like for trying and showing us what an apology looks like and we see you and no one's perfect and it's okay and the black women say you have to do better this is not okay you have to do better and if you want to do better this is what it looks like what are you willing to commit to and here's the thing about this is that when there's a divide in responses like that i think we have to look at where the power is and what a leader decides to do with that so i've gotten really clear when there's a misstep or something i've done wrong or something that i could have done better and i post any sort of amendment or apology or anything like that I'm always really clear to say, like, I don't want to be commended on my apology. I don't want to be commended on how I handled a misstep because I'm not here to like earn points on how I apologize for screwing up. I'm here to make sure that the people that I harmed can make sure that I'm clear around, I acknowledge that I did harm and I want to do better. And here's how I plan to do better. And I'm open to a continuous feedback or more of a dialogue or more of a conversation around this. And I recognize that I probably need more education around this. And you're in a position to educate me. So I'm open to your feedback. That's what I want to say to the women of color, because I don't need education on race and the history of racism from white women who are telling me that it's okay, nobody's perfect. And so I think we have to be really clear when we look at when white leaders make a misstep when it comes to race and exhibit racist behavior, which is what this was, because we all have racism. It is built into how we have been raised in every corner, in every segment of society, in every system of society. So I think we have to be so careful when we make these missteps. And when I say we, I'm speaking about white women, white leaders, when we make missteps along the lines of race, and we let our racism shine through, which we, you know, every white person has is racist in one way or another, because racism permeates every corner and every segment and every system in society. So when we make these missteps and our racism shows up and shines through and causes harm, we have to really look at and listen to what are the black women saying? What are the women of color saying? What is their experience? And that's what we have to listen to. We can't look at, oh, but you know, these 10,000 white women over here said it's okay. So I'm dismissed. No, that's not how it works. So on this post, what ended up happening is a lot of black women were expressing hurt and that they felt very harmed by the situation. And then white women were coming in and being very dismissive of these black women. And the conversation got ugly. And there was no one there to moderate. There was no one to take leadership for this conversation. So what happened in, from my perspective is that a post was put up that did harm. And, you know, whatever your opinion is on whether or not that was intentional, I don't think it was intentional that Rachel put up a post that where there, that wasn't cited. I think that was, you know, a glaring mistake and misstep by her team. But whatever, you know, regardless of kind of the harm done there, which is definitely in and of itself harmful, there's this secondary layer of harm and trauma that's happening now in the comments on this social media post. And no one is showing up in leadership there to say, hey, as the leader of this community, and hey, as the leader of the women here, and hey, as a white woman who leads millions of people online every single day, here's what I'm willing to stand for. And here's what I'm not willing to stand for in my own community. And here's how I want to see these women of color and these black women who are showing up and using precious energy to explain and educate and share their experiences on this post. And here's how I want to see them. And here's how I want to honor them. And here's how I want to be grateful and thankful for people who are willing to share their experiences and willing to open up their hearts and their heads and share their trauma so that the rest of us can learn and get better from this. Instead, what happened is that there is zero comments from Rachel in this post. There are, at the time of this recording, almost 4,000 comments on this post, and she has responded to nothing. On the other side of that, I guess, she put up a post the next day that was like an oatmeal recipe. And she replied to tons of comments in that post about how to make this oatmeal recipe and about specifically around like can mason jars go in the microwave and oh my gosh my heart just stopped when i saw that she was choosing to engage on a post on her social media platform that was about oatmeal and mason jars and whether or not they were microwavable but not willing to step into a conversation where many many women were expressing pain and harm and trauma right in her community and that's where i see this really challenging misstep as a leader. 
and really huge mistake as a leader. And so I thought about this for a while and I thought, well, maybe she's going to say something. Maybe there's going to be a dedicated post to this later today or tomorrow. And I kept watching. And then I thought, well, maybe on Monday morning, I know she goes live every morning, Monday through Friday. Maybe she's going to say something when she goes live. And she never said anything. She went on business as normal on all of her social media interactions after that, up to the time that I'm recording this. So I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, April 29th. So no acknowledgement. And these comments keep coming in the post. And there's more commentary on follow-up posts since then, her posts that are like, here's our new t-shirts for our event this weekend. And here's the oatmeal recipe that I was talking about. And on her live streams, people are asking, and there's no comments back. There's no regard for the harm caused. And this is where I think the lack of leadership is so glaring and so significant. And so here's why I want to talk about this. Because white people need to lead the charge to hold leaders accountable for their racism. And so we have to be looking at how are white leaders practicing anti-racism? And if you say that you stand for diversity, and if you say that you stand for inclusion, and if you say that you stand for these kinds of core values, and they're up on your wall, then you have a responsibility to actually do that. And you have a responsibility to do that in uncomfortable ways. And you have a responsibility to do that in ongoing conversation, because that's what leaders do. They don't put up one post and then walk away and wipe their hands. Because what you've done is the harm caused here, the people who were harmed, their pain did not go away when that post went up. Their pain has continued. And I will tell you, the conversation has devolved in many situations in this thread where there's been more and more harm done. And so while she seemingly has moved on from this conversation, there's many members of her community who have been harmed or who are doing harm, and that's not being acknowledged. And that is not what I think shining leadership looks like. And that is not how white women need to be leading the charge in anti-racism. We also cannot let black women sit in vulnerable spaces and be attacked. It is not black women's work to show up and fight these fights alone or to show up and fight these fights for us. They've suffered enough. They have gone through enough. They have to defend themselves, their actions, their behaviors, all sorts of things every single freaking day. The last thing that we need to do on top of that is expect black women to show up and lead these conversations and educate us on how to be better anti-racist. That's not how it works. So that's the first reason I'm doing that is because white women need to lead the charge and hold leaders accountable. Secondly, I think it's really important that you truly see the leaders that you, who you choose to follow. And we need to be aware of the power that our leaders hold. And we need to be aware of how leadership can be helpful or how it can be harmful. And, you know, we see this in government all the time. <laughs> Our current administration is such a perfect example. <laughs> so here's the thing, like we see all the time how leadership can be helpful or how it can be harmful. And you have to be really conscientious about like, well, which kind of a leader am I? Am I a leader who is being helpful or am I a leader who's causing harm? And that doesn't mean that like one misstep means that, you know, you're now a harmful leader in all capacities. But if you make the misstep and you cause the harm, you got to do something about it. You have to take responsibility and ownership and you have to publicly show how that's done. Because when you do that, other people now see how to do it. This episode is supported by Oak Dental. Oak stands for one of a kind. Oak Dental is in innovating the category of toothbrushes and flossers. So they have their V-shaped tapered toothbrush. So the tapered head of the toothbrush bristles conform to the shape of your teeth, which allows the outer bristles to stimulate your gum line, which is brilliant. Because here's the thing, we've been taught around how to keep our teeth clean and white and how to prioritize like getting orthodontia to straighten your teeth and all these things. We have not been taught to prioritize gum health. And this is so important. Gum health is really, really important to the health of your teeth. It's also important to your overall health. So what you're going to notice with the oak toothbrushes is that the ergonomic bristles 
clean your teeth and your gums simultaneously, reducing plaque and cleans the gum line at the same time. This is so, so smart. This is also really helpful if you have children that might have a little bit of a hard time with their dexterity with brushing. It's also just a fun brusher. And on top of that, they have their three-in-one floss pick brush, which is brilliant. Your kids are going to love this. You're going to love it too. So every one of their little flossers has additional pieces to it, additional arms, I call them, that basically make it a Swiss army flosser. And so on each flosser, there is also a toothpick and there's also a little dental brush where you can scrub between your teeth. This is great for removing trapped food, also keeping the gum line really clean really hygienic. So Oak has some really cool things for you that are going to get your kids excited about brushing that are going to promote excellent gum health, keep you nice and healthy in your teeth, in your gums all around. I want you to go check them out. And all you got to do to find them is go to amazon.com and then do a search for Oak Dental. That's O-O-A-K. Again, just go to amazon.com and do a search for Oak Dental, O-O-A-K. And I actually want to share, it's so interesting, the timing of this, It was like two days later, two days after this, I was kind of watching this all unfold. Someone who I follow, a guest who's been on the show, someone who I've known for a long time, Elizabeth D'Alto, she posted something on social media totally unrelated to this, but it was this example of a message that she got in her inbox. And I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to go follow Elizabeth D'Alto because she's someone, and I'll go ahead and make sure that she's linked to in the show notes, but she's someone who just really consistently and conscientiously has thought-provoking, powerful conversations that I think really lend to us all being better leaders and all leading with more grace and leading with more humility and being open to learning in ways that are really, really powerful and ways that really facilitate change that is so necessary, whether it's in regards to race, whether it's in regards to anything, any sort of marginalized groups, whether it's in regard to like body violence. I mean, she's just, she's someone who really conscientiously leads in beautiful, beautiful ways. So she put up a post. I'm going to read a couple of things through some slides here, and then I'll share her apology because what was so beautiful was her apology. So she posted on Instagram, a handful of images that were all copy. So the first one said, I got an inclusive language lesson from a trans woman today. Swipe through to read in case you could learn something here too. And then she went on to share a message that she got that said, hi, I was listening to your podcast, which I do like daily. And I heard something that really unsettled me about trans women. And because I love and respect you so much, I wanted to compassionately let you know and give you the opportunity to grow. So first of all, I'm trans. She went on to talk a little bit about that a little bit about how she's followed Elizabeth's work. And then she wanted what she addressed was what you said in one of your episodes was that your wild soul movement is a practice for women and those who identify as women. And I can totally see how this might have seemed innocent and seemingly inclusive, but it actually separates trans and cis women in a way that we shouldn't be separated. And in a way feels really gatekeepy of womanhood. In reality, trans women sacrifice everything to be the women that we are. It is in our DNA and at our core that we are women. So it feels a little belittling of the divinity of our femininity and womanhood as a trans woman when cis women say these kinds of things. So she posted this on her Instagram, and then she said to trans women in my community, if you've ever felt separated or excluded by my language, I deeply apologize. Please know that you can always message me and tell me if I've said something offensive or non-inclusive. I'm always going to learn, listen, and clean up and correct my errors. Please also know that I'm always continuing to do my own work since really the burden should not be on you to consistently be telling anyone how to treat you like the full ass glorious woman you are. Much love and respect. E. So I want you to just look at the contrast between these two apologies and how beautiful the apology from Elizabeth is that really shows like I totally screwed up and I'm open to this conversation. I am always here to learn. I always want to grow and I don't ever want anyone to feel like they can't call me out if I do something that is offensive in any way. And I think that's what leadership looks like. That's what standing behind your core values that you have posted on your wall looks like. This is so important. So that's the second reason this is why I'm doing this episode. The third reason it is that it's part of my core values to stand up and speak out when I see an injustice. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I feel such a responsibility as a leader to say something when I see harm being done. And I think that's at the crux of the Shameless Mom Academy is like shamelessly standing for the right things, shamelessly standing for the greater good, even when it's so uncomfortable, even when you know you could get called out, even when you know you could be blackballed. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, this feels risky to me. There are circles that Rachel and I, where our businesses and our lives overlap in certain ways. It feels really risky for me to stand up and say this and to put her name in the title of my show. While it feels risky, it also feels like the right thing because of the sense of responsibility that I feel as a leader when I see another leader causing harm. And because I think that these are such critical learning opportunities. So if I can help someone else become more anti-racist by creating this episode, then it is worth it to me. And that is my goal. And so while other people might be very upset that I'm calling out Rachel Hollis, because that's a little bit like calling out Beyonce or Oprah, this might be super offensive to some people. And also, if I know that I want to stand up as an anti-racist leader, then this is what I have to do. And I see that this is especially important for me as part of my core values in holding leaders accountable when they are leading large groups of women and mothers. And that's who Rachel leads. She leads millions of women and mothers. So that's number three. Number four, leaders need to be doing active work to be anti-racist. White leaders who are not actively working on being anti-racist are actively contributing to white supremacy. When you let thousands of people engage in a conversation that is causing harm to black women on your social media feed, that is contributing to white supremacy. I will tell you that my comments on the post were called out and I was harassed as a white woman. I can't imagine what it felt like in those comments in the thread for black women. So leaders need to be doing this work actively and engaging actively because you pick one or the other. You're either actively working on being an anti-racist and showing up in those uncomfortable ways as a white leader or you're contributing to white supremacy. And I understand that's a bold and controversial statement. And I actually made a statement about this a few years ago on Facebook that said, like, if you're not actively working against racism, that you are working for white supremacy and people lost their godforsaken minds. But it's also the truth. It's absolutely the truth. And if you look at anyone who speaks about race, studies race, can, you know, knows deeply and intimately about race, this is known to be true. The next reason I wanted to have this conversation was because I had Dave Hollis on this show and I was asked when I had him on as a guest, I actually reached out to my community beforehand and I said, hey, Dave Hollis is coming on the show and I'd love to know if you have any questions for him because I know we have tons of Rachel and Dave Hollis fans in the audience. And someone specifically said, hey, I'm a black woman and I noticed that Dave has a tattoo that says ally on his arm and 
it's a little confusing to me as a black woman as to why a white guy would be walking around with an ally tattoo. Can you ask him about it? So Dave and I had a great conversation. He was a really fun guest. He was so transparent and open. And I was just really, really grateful. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask this question. I was like a little bit nervous. I was like, hey, Dave, I have one more question for you. And he was like, no, bring it on. Let's go. So I asked him about his tattoo. And he was he had a great answer. And he really explained what the tattoo meant to him, where it came from, what inspired it, how he continues to really try to show up as an ally and all these different capacities. And I felt like it was a very authentic answer. And other people in my community thought it was a very authentic answer. And they were so glad that I'd asked. They were like, oh, that shed some light on some things. I'm so glad that you asked that. So I think that when we know that part of someone's business is wrapped around this one piece of their identity that's tattooed on their arm or on their partner's arm and their partner's, you know, (laughs) big part of their business, there's these really confusing messages. And I think it's important that we have to like determine, well, what's true here? Are you an ally? Because an ally, I don't think, would let this harm go on and on and on and on for days. I mean, this is like we're five days into this now. For five days, there's women who are being harassed on social media on this one post in particular. It's actually happening on multiple posts, but on one post in particular, it's happening repeatedly. So that was another reason that I felt like this conversation really needed to happen. And now I want to kind of talk about the harm done. So there's harm on multiple levels and multiple layers. And I think that whenever we look at racist behavior, it's always multi-layered and it always runs deep in different directions. And some of them we don't always know or see in the moment. And we definitely can't fully understand them as, you know, for me as a white person, I can never understand fully the extent that I've done the damage or the harm I might cause. So the harm that we see here in this example is the harm being done to women of color in the thread. We see the harm of someone's team being thrown under the bus, what looked like to in order to preserve their own ego. We see a lack of willingness to listen and learn and be open to feedback. And I think that that was really glaring to me, especially after I saw Elizabeth D'Alto's post, an apology, this interest and invitation into like, hey, I always want to do my best and I always want you to let me know if there's anything I've done that's offensive. And also, I know that it's not your job to educate me on this. So just let me know if I've made a misstep and I'll go figure out how I've made the misstep and I'll go do that work. And that's such a different kind of apology. So, you know, making creating a space where you can acknowledge that I want to listen and learn and be open to feedback can undo a lot of the harm. While we can't take harm away, we can undo a lot of it. I also think that when you leave women of color to fight this fight on their own in your living room, which is what I, you know, believe social media to do to be without doing anything to stand up and offer protection or alliance, you're creating so much danger and you're creating so much mistrust and so much harm. And I think that's what this really came to for me was this like massive erosion of trust. And so I'm sure black women witnessing all of this and participating in it and being, you know, abused in this thread, I'm sure that they all very much felt a massive erosion of trust that the leader that they have been following and looking up to did not come in to protect them or show true allyship. And for me as a white woman, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, What is a woman who leads almost 2 million people on Instagram alone and in other areas, you know, and multiple millions more in other social media channels? I'm looking to see what is she going to do? How is she going to show us all how to lead better? Because we all make mistakes. That's not the problem. We can make mistakes. We can even make mistakes that cause harm. But how are we going to do better next time? How are we going to fix that? And so... There's harm done to the people who are very directly hurt by this. And then there's also harm done to everyone who's watching because we're seeing such a lack of leadership. There are so many people, I know this because I follow Rachel enough to know that there are so many people who adore her. And when she makes a choice to not stand, take a stand in her leadership at this level, that there's a million white women thinking that this is okay, that it's okay to dismiss black people, that it's okay to just let them fight their own fight, that it's okay to just move on to the next thing after you've said your piece. And none of that is okay. That is so problematic. And then we also have the harm that's done when you continue to move about your life and your social media schedule as if none of this has happened without having any sort of closure and without having any sort of conversation about it. 
to just move on and pretend that it's not happening in your living room. It's like your mom and your dad are like over here fighting. And like the millions of us watching are just like, you know, the youngest sibling. And we're like, well, when is dad going to say sorry? When is dad going to admit he did something wrong? When is, and that's, it's just not happening. Like the leader at the helm is not taking charge of the situation, is not stepping into leadership, is not owning the harm done. And we're like the little kids over here going, but wait, what? We're just going to move on and pretend that didn't happen? That's not okay. That's actually what abuse looks like. This episode is supported by Best Fiends. Best Fiends is kind of a perfect quarantine slash pandemic activity. So you can download Best Fiends for free in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. And it's a game that you play that is just mentally stimulating enough to keep you engaged and interested, but also it's not tricky and you don't have to be like super strategic and smart. <laughs> and so it's like doing a puzzle, which I find really therapeutic. Like I'm thinking a little bit, but also I'm destimulating and just chilling out at the same time. So I love Best Fiends. I think I'm up in, I'm in the mid 200s for levels. And I will tell you when I first started working with Best Fiends as a sponsor, I was like, I'll try out, like I'll play this once for like 20 minutes and do some ads and like, you know, let you give feedback on it. But I'm not someone who just like plays games on my phone. Well, here we are. Here we are. I'm now in the 200s. I think I'm on like level, I don't know, 220 or something. I love Best Fiends. It's just a really great chill out activity when I'm looking to be stimulated at the end of the day. I like playing it when I'm listening to podcasts. I literally, if I don't have a good book going, I will lay in bed or listen to a podcast and play Best Fiends right before I go to bed. And it really just destimulates me, lets me chill out, relax, and let my mind be free of the day and be free of, you know, all of the things that can burden one's mind in current times. So if you are looking for a fun game where you get to advance from level to level, you get to improve as you go, they're constantly updating and upgrading the game so that your experience continues to progress. This might be just the thing for you. They have thousands of levels in the game. They're always introducing new levels and new characters. Fun right at your fingertips. And you can play offline with no internet connection. So go ahead and check out Best Fiends at the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Best Fiends. Friends without the R. Best Fiends. F-I-E-N-D-S. So... On the flip side of all this, what does positive leadership look like when you have made this misstep or mistake and that's caused harm and that's, you know, it's a big deal? What do you do? So I think, first of all, it's taking full responsibility without placing any blame or without making any excuses. That includes throwing other people under the bus, but I think it really looks like taking full responsibility and owning what you did. I think it looks like having uncomfortable conversations publicly. I've done that. If you are in my private Facebook group, you've seen me come on Facebook Live to say, whoa, friends, I really screwed something up. Here's what I did. And here's why I wanted you to know about it. And here's what I'm doing about it. And here's how it created harm. And here's how it was dangerous. And here's how I'm moving forward. All of that is so important because that's how everyone learns how to be a better leader. That's how everyone learns how to do better next time. That's how everyone learns to make better on systems and structures in society that constantly cause harm to other people. Another way that we can look at positive leadership, another example of what positive leadership looks like is taking ownership for your missteps and your blind spots constantly and recognizing that you have those blind spots, recognizing like me as a white leader, I have blind spots. I'm always going to have blind spots. So I have to fully own that and then be open to, hey, if you catch me in that blind spot, always please let me know. I don't ever want to harm you, dismiss you, cause pain because of my blind spot. Like I'm always actively, you know, trying to do the work on my own and trying to figure things out and always trying to get better and do better. But also if I still mess up, because there's a great chance I will still mess up, even though I'm trying hard, feel, please always let me know. Next is positive leadership looks like showing your willingness to learn and grow and do better by sharing the steps that you will take to do so. So by letting people know exactly what you're going to do, here's what I'm going to do to make this better. Here's how we're changing things moving forward. Here's how I'm going to educate myself. Here's where I have this blind spot. I didn't even see it. Here's how I'm grateful for you for letting me know. So showing that willingness to learn and grow and do better in a way that shows, that demonstrates an eagerness for action. And it demonstrates even like actual action steps and a plan. And then lastly, positive leadership looks like inviting feedback and conversation inviting feedback and conversation. So, so important to say like, hey, if you want to continue this conversation, I'm here. Please let me know what you think. Thank you so much for your input. I'm always here. Let me know. Like, I got you. 
really keep the lines of communication open so that we're having an ongoing conversation. Like we're not going to solve racism in a day by any means. And what a valuable experience for us to be in conversation in a public way where everyone can learn and grow together rather than having it done in this divisive way where we try to squash something really quick and then pretend that it's not there and that it's not continuing to happen. Before we wrap, I want to give you a resource in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to just give a shout out and acknowledgement and thanks to a few women who showed up for this conversation around what they saw happening on Rachel's Instagram page and in this post in particular. And they took it upon themselves to create their own content around it, to shed light on what was happening, to create more awareness around the actual harm being done to black women as a part of this conversation. They did work that they, you know, that took an emotional toll. And anytime black women show up to do work for white women, things get gross. I'm not going to lie. Like I see this over and over and over. And so they did this at the expense of, you know, taking on other women, white women's abuse and intolerance and some pretty gross behavior. So those women were um, Rebecca Baruki, and she's an amazing, I'm going to link to all these people so you can follow them all on Instagram and use all of their resources. So Rebecca Baruki has a book called Managing the Motherload, A Guide to Creating More Ease, Space and Grace in Motherhood. She also has a children's book called Zara's Big Messy Day that turned out okay. And she's a great person to follow. And she's always creating resources and safe places and spaces for women to learn and for women to, you know, be a better anti-racist and to really learn what it's like to be an ally and an accomplice for women of color. So I'm really grateful for her work and just deeply grateful for the way that she shows up in these kinds of conversations. The next is Rachel Cargill. Rachel Cargill is an amazing writer and an activist and she following her on Instagram, I've learned so much. And she just consistently creates content that makes me really think about how I show up and do this work myself without demanding that black people do it for me. So she has a very direct way of speaking that I so appreciate and a way of leading that I just think is it humbles me to my core when I watch her lead and I listen to what she has to say. And I'm just always noticing how she creates her messaging and noticing what she says and what she doesn't say and the kinds of resources that she's sharing. So she's a really, really fantastic person to be following. And then next is Austin Channing Brown. And Austin Channing Brown wrote a book called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And she actually commented on what was happening in Rachel's social media. And she got like, I don't quite know what it how what happened, but it was something along the lines of like this partial ghosting on Twitter where she had was making comments on Twitter about the whole situation. And a lot of her comments were being deleted by Twitter and her account was like partially taken down. And then it took a day or two to re- get restored. And it was just this big mess of censorship, essentially. So I want to give her a shout out because she was part of this conversation and showing up and doing the work and like really calling racism for what it is. And I really appreciate her as well. And so I'm always looking for women of color to learn from and black women to learn from where I can see the resources that they're sharing and go after them and learn how to do better on my own. I'm also going to share a list of books in the show notes. And these are books that I've mentioned before, but they're just fantastic resources. So listen to them on audio, order them, read them. First of all, support these authors, but also these are powerful resources that will help you be a better anti-racist, that will help you be a better leader, that will help you own your privilege and own your racism in the ways that will actually allow you to create change and allow you to be a much better ally and a much better accomplice. Okay. And then the last thing I want to share is another resource. So another woman who's just constantly having really powerful conversations around race is Layla Saad. And she, oh my gosh, I'm just consistently blown away. She has a podcast. Um, Her podcast is called The Good Ancestor Podcast. She's constantly, I've actually tried to get her on the show. At the time that I tried to get her, she wasn't doing any interviews, any podcast interviews. And I think that might still be the case. But she's a phenomenal woman, a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal resource. She has a book called Me and White Supremacy. And her book is a workbook that you work through over the course of 30 days, where you basically like, learn to own and embrace like your white supremacy for what it is and then learn how to grow and move forward from there. So I want you to follow her on Instagram and go specifically to the post that she put up on April 29th. 
that said it's a blue post with white wording and it says question for black indigenous people of color only what's one thing you want your white work colleagues to do or not do to practice anti-racist allyship in your workplace so i want you to go look at the post and then read the comments because you will see in the comments hundreds of things that you can stop doing right now or start doing right now to be a better ally, to be a better anti-racist. And there's a whole bunch of things in here that if you are a white leader or, you know, a white person in a workplace where you're going to be like, holy crap, I did not know that I was doing that or I didn't understand how that was coming across or how that can be offensive. Some of them are like obvious and glaring things, but some of them are more nuanced things that are just you know thoughtless when you are navigating the world as a white person and you don't even think about how someone else might be internalizing that world with you and their experiences in it. So those are some great resources for you. All right, I hope this episode has been helpful. I hope that you've learned something. I hope that you can take something away. And I hope that you have a better understanding of what it looks like to lead and be a positive leader and what it looks like to really be a better anti-racist leader and to step into uncomfortable conversations when they are necessary in order to do the work that your communities need them to do in order for you to stand in your core values and not just have them posted on the wall behind you. So wishing you a ton of love and thank you for being here and I'll be back in a couple days. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.